I ask you to take out your text if you still have it open this morning uh, to Micah. I'm going to I'm going to focus on a couple of different sections in Micah, um, but I'm going to give you the overview of the entire book if that's okay. Uh, Micah chapter four and chapter five. The first five verses of both of those chapters are going to be very important for us, and so I want to read those to us. Um, well, I'm going to start with chapter four, and I'm going to read the first few verses from there. Oh, you have chapter five there? Okay. Let me read the first verses from chapter four, and then I'll begin with our reading at five. What's happening is that the Lord is introducing, and he's calling down from his mountain in chapter four. Whenever God speaks of the mountain, the people of Israel must listen. It's an Old Testament idea, an Old Testament thing. You have to think about mountains in the Old Testament. It's where God speaks. So listen. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills, and people will stream to it. Many nations will come and say, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between many peoples and will settle disputes for strong nations far and wide. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Everyone will sit under their own vine and under their own fig tree, and no one will make them afraid. For the Lord Almighty has spoken. All the nations may walk in the name of their gods, but we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. And then Micah speaks of a promised ruler who would come out of Bethlehem, starting at chapter 5. Marshal your troops now, city of troops, for a siege is laid against us. They will strike Israel's ruler on the cheek with a rod. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be the ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Therefore Israel will be abandoned until the time when she is in labor bears a son, and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty, in the name of, his, of the Lord, his God. And they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. And if I were to have a text for you to take home, write down, the first thing you should write down is Micah 5, 5 and he will be our peace. The word there is this word that we've been dealing with these few weeks, this word shalom. Let's just lift up our, our eyes to God as he illumines this text for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that uh, you send your spirit now to be with us, to guide us and instruct us as we seek to understand what you meant for your uh, your people, Israel, 
back in uh, the 8th century BC and how we ourselves can, uh, can understand and learn what it is that you would have for your assembly here. We thank you, Lord, for your word to us. Speak to us now, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. I'm not sure if you've picked it up yet, but Micah, <clears throat> Micah is trying to fix the church. He's trying to fix the assembly of God. See, people have forgotten, or they have just, you know, out of just sheer will or ignorance, uh, have decided not to follow the law anymore. Remember that Jubilee tool we talked about last week, this, this wonderful gift that God would give us to help establish, um, you know, good relationships with each other and help the, the weak and poor is a really great answer to a lot of social issues. They weren't practicing that at all. Jubilee? No, we don't do that here. They had forgotten this shalom that God had called good, and it had, bear, had bearing on their, on their lives. It, it was coming out in their societies. If, if you read the entirety of, of Micah, if you start at the very beginning, basically it starts with judgment is coming. God is going to show up, and he's going to show up in two places because Israel at this time is kind of in two places. It's two kingdoms that are being uh, ruled, and we have, um, you know, the Sennacheribs and um, then the and Babylonians uh, that are coming in. And in 722, and then again in 586 BC, we have these two judgments that actually come to pass. So we have an idea as to when this is actually happening. But this is at a time when Israel has started to already lose some of its identity, has started to lose some of its practices. Remember, they were built in the image of God, but you know, they hadn't cleaned the mirror in a while. You know what I mean? Like they had forgotten what it was to be the people of God. And so God used these prophets again and again and again to try and ring the bell again for them to remind them that they had laws to follow. And if they followed those laws, there would be blessings. And if they didn't, there would be curses. It was, it was that simple for Israel. If you need to go back a couple weeks to, to look at this, Deuteronomy 28 through 30, we'll give you an insight into that as well. But they were receiving all of this difficulty now and under the hands of these other Im imposing forces, and they're saying, well, what's going on? And the prophet's saying, well, of course, guys. Take a look. You're not actually following the law. What he's saying is, You've broken the tools. You've bent them out of shape. You ever done that? You know, lent a, a tool to the neighbor and it came back just not quite the same? Not quite able to do the job that it used to do? They bent the tools. We have this happen all over the place in our society. I mean, we, we have wonderful tools like, I mean, isn't Facebook wonderful? The ability to connect with people far and wide, people you haven't seen in so long, all you do is you put in a little bit of your personal information, right? And then that's where it starts. And then you get to connect with this, uh, the, all sorts of people that you knew at one point but maybe forgotten. Then you, you want to put them on this list of people that you knew at one point or whatever. You, and now, Facebook, you take a look at another thing. It could be used for all sorts of division, all sorts of difficulty. The news... When we had, you know, moros and people like this behind desks, they would, uh, you know, if you ignore the smoking cigarette, you, can, you could actually get an idea as to what was going on in the world. 
because you could trust the news. It was a, a source of security for us because it was information that gave us that security. And now what we find is that in, in places like the news, what they give us is a, either a, a, a plethora of information or misinformation so that it makes us constantly have to go back and say, what was that news story again? We gotta go figure this out. And so this is where Israel's kind of finding itself in the midst of a broken assembly of God and not even really down on all fours trying to figure out how it is that they're going to get things uh, back together. You know, they're, they're not working on it. And so God sends these four prophets. There's basically Micah and Nahum are, are two, two of the smaller ones, the minor prophets, but Isaiah and Jeremiah as well. And these prophets, they start talking uh, to Israel and they start reminding them of not just what God has done in the past, but he tells them about something that's coming. Saying, you know, you have this idea of jubilee, but where you are right now is in the muck. But I'm telling you, there's somebody is coming. God is coming. And with that, it comes the, the, all the negative. Oh, man, God is coming. It's like, you know, that surprise inspection at work. Say, so, and, you know, even if you have a couple hours notice, you know, you're like sitting there thinking, oh, do we have this and do we have this and we have this? You know, we used to have it in the restaurant all the way, you know, all the time back in the days. All of a sudden someone showed up, you'd say, well, check this, someone, you know, go check this, check the thermometers and all the fridges. Surprise inspection. Well, that's how Micah starts. But then by the time we get to Micah chapter 5, we're starting to realize that, that God's coming and God's prepared person that he's sending is actually going to be ushering in this peace that they have been yearning for, the safety and the security that they've been yearning for. Remember last week we talked about how they found security in planted trees because that gave them the, the sure knowledge that they could harvest the fruit there. And that um, there's an old saying that you don't plant an olive tree for yourself. You plant, it, you plant it for your grandchildren. It's because you never harvest the fruit of an olive tree when you've planted it. It takes that long for it to mature. And now fig trees would be ours again underneath this, this beautiful new, what's it called again? Oh, the Messiah. That's what it is. That's who he is. Where is he going to come from? From Bethlehem? Really? Huh. And what's he going to do? He's going to tell us to, what, what about all these bent up things, that, these tools that we had bent and made into implements of war, you know, these, this hoe and these rakes that we had turned into, you know, pitchforks that we had assembled this crazy mob to try and make the world right. And instead, he's going to say, no, 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 no. You know, you're holding it the wrong way. You do it like this, and it's actually a tool. See, sometimes we forget that work is actually a good thing, that work is one of the blessings that God has. Adam had work before the fall, if you have to go back to Genesis 2 and 3. But see, Mike is trying to give them the tools, the language, the information that they need in order to help them fix the church, help them fix the assembly. And some are just not having it. Some of them are the prophets who are saying, well, you can have your peace and you can have your shalom and all that stuff, just don't, just don't include us in it. The false prophets who are helping the oppressors. You'll find those, well, I think you'll find those in chapter 2 and 3. 
I read from some of that in chapter 2, and man, they find these false prophets in chapter 2, verse 6. Do not prophesy, the prophets say. Do not prophesy about this. Would you just stop telling people? We've got some people in the church that would like that too, wouldn't they? Because we've got a few people, I'm not sure if you've noticed, a few people that are talking about the demise of the church. Oh, the church is broken. The assembly of God, I'm not so sure about its future. And there's no shortage, I'll tell you, of minor prophets who are walking around and telling you what the solution is either. Oh, worship, yep, that's going to be the big things. Just get drums out of church, that'll fix it. We got to connect with the youth, make things more palatable for the youth. That's what we need to do. You know, there's been a famine of preaching the Word of God in this place. You know, when I was growing up, a sermon used to be an hour and 45 minutes. Why in the world have they gotten down to 20? I don't know. It, it's people have been saying, people are just not, people just don't care anymore. They don't go to church because they don't care anymore. Or they say, oh, that tradition, that, that traditional stuff, that institutional religion, that's all broken. That's all broken stuff. That's what's wrong with the church. No, what's wrong with the church, folks? What's wrong with the church is that it's filled with people. It's filled with hypocrites. And by the grace of God, Micah, this prophet, is telling them a Messiah is coming who's going to make space for all those hypocrites. That's what I tell people when someone says to me, oh, church is full of hypocrites. And I say, yeah, there is. And there's room for one more. So come on by. We're open on Sunday. But it's true. And, and we, lack, we lack sometimes these tools because we've bent them out of shape. He's given us good implements, good tools, and we've turned them into weapons. A lack of love within ecumenical circles, talking about other denominations of churches or other um, classes of churches as being lesser or fewer. I th I'm trying to remember now. I think it was Billy Graham who says, the Christian army is the only army that shoots its own wounded. Think about that. Think about it this way. God made all things good, right? God gave his people balloons and they turned them into spy planes. But Micah is promising one who is coming who will, and I'm telling you, you're going to remember this before you go home, he will be our peace. He will be our shalom. That's who's coming. And in the midst of that, Micah says, and we will study war no more. You're going to bend those tools back. You see, the problem is that when Christ did come, they didn't believe him because he spent his time with the people that he said he was going to spend his time with. You know, he didn't spend his time with kings. He spent his time with the poor. He didn't spend his time with the healthy. He spent his time with the sick. He didn't hang out with the rich. He had lunch with the poor. They weren't used to seeing that tool, this Messiah tool. And you know what happened? They beat it and they broke it. They did. They beat him and they broke him too. 
And they've tried ever since to, to bend his word out of shape. To misshapen the message. To disfigure the tools of the church. But when we bend the tools of peace, they become useless. We've got oblong-shaped love, forgiveness in, in short supply, and just like Israel, the tools of jubilee and law and Sabbath are bent and broken. They become tools of oppression and separation and exclusion. During COVID, didn't you just see it? Message after message on those little screens that we all became so familiar with. Facebook that was supposed to allow you to connect with people all over the world just made more and more divisions. Unfriend, unfriend. Twitter, that just revealed a whole world of twits. That's all it did. <clears throat> the spy balloon that came down, it had some markings on it. It had some markings on it that made people believe that it was, that it was not a weather vane. It was not a farming implement. It was a weapons cache. But as this week went on, I saw something else happen. I saw two planes, two planes at an airport in, in Turkey. Arms that were once filled with heavy weapons and machinery, filled with dogs. <laughs> filled with people who did not speak the same language from every country of the world, coming together to help lift the heavy burdens of life that cannot be lifted by any one person. And I thought, I cannot think of a better image of who the Messiah is than that effort right there. Because it is not us it is not us who create the peace. It is not us who are the peace. God, who will be your very peace. He is our peace, and we are the tools and the implements, the vessels for that peace to find its way to the outer-reaching parts of this world, the places that are weak and dying. See, the Messiah comes that he can have a peace that he passes on and breaks like the loaf of bread that we'll commune with next week. He breaks off a piece and he passes it to you and he breaks off another passes and it's a, it's a peace that continues to pass our understanding as morsel upon morsel upon morsel continues to feed this broken world. It's Matthew and it's Luke. We heard Matthew 5, in our prayer, tell of this, this gentle servant, this bruised, the bruised reeds that he would not break, and the smoldering wick that he would not snuff out. And maybe that's you. Maybe you felt like the one woman who after 60 hours stuck underneath rubble didn't know how to express her thanks. said to her, <laughs> to her rescuer, she said, I didn't know what to pray for anymore. So I started praying for sleep. 
I was cold, and so I thought if I could sleep, then maybe I could just pass. I was cold and tired. I was alone. I was praying for God to rescue me, and then I just prayed for rest. I wanted peace. And when she was rescued, the first thing she did was she pronounced a blessing over the man who who rescued her. And she said, I could hear. I could hear you walking over me. And I was crying out, but no one heard me. But then I prayed to God. May he spare you and your family that you may never be crushed. That's what she prayed. This is a peace that only comes with knowing God. And his invitation is for us to be able to find that peace. This is why Christ comes, not to be a minor prophet or a major prophet, but to be the only prophet once and for all. To remind us that the law that we tried to keep, we could not. And that as a perfect prophet, he covers all of those failures for us. And the weight of those masses of sin in our lives, in your life, he is willing to take that and lift those burdens. And it would have crushed you and I, left us alone for nothing but a cold sleep. But instead, in resurrection victory, Christ rises. And he promises that same life and that same shalom, that same peace, because he will be our peace. We are pressed but not crushed, persecuted and not abandoned, put down but not destroyed, and we are blessed beyond the curse, for his promise will endure, and his joy will be our strength. I want to give you opportunity to be able to respond to that in praise. Just as the praise team is coming up um, now, I just want to lead you in a time of prayer. I'll invite the praise team to come. Let's just lift up our hearts before God. We've had a couple of moments of silent prayer, I notice already, so I'll give you a moment, maybe even just to silently lift up your hearts before God, seeking that peace for him to become your peace today. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the peace here among us, that you have come to dwell here among you people, that you are the Word made flesh, that you are this this shalom and the salvation that this world is dying for. So allow us, Lord, to lift up our eyes to you. Remove from us the weights from this world that we cannot remove ourselves, the weight of sin and failure and shame. Lord, we thank you that It is through Jesus that we find absolute fulfillment of this promise. We ask that you enable us to live into it by your spirit that we can invite other people into that promise as well. 
Be with us and bless us, Lord, as we go about your business of passing on your peace to this world around us, as broken as it is. We thank you, Lord, for this good work. Make our tools sharp and keep them straight, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.